you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. When the Iron Lady sings it, that makes it official, as we like to say on the Chris Voss Show. Welcome, my family and friends, to the big show on the Chris Voss Show. Uh, we certainly appreciate you guys being here. Today, we're going to have some laughs and some comedy on the show instead of the normal crying that we do, where we just sit around and boob and cry over our navels or something. We don't do that on the Chris Voss Show. Remember, the Chris Voss Show is a family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law, uh, because, you know, she never liked you anyway. She wanted the other guy. Uh, but that's not our problem today, but it's your problem. So uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, guys, uh, be sure to refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss. Uh, you can go to Chris Voss, facebook.com to talk to the show and our private group there. Uh, you can also go to LinkedIn dot com for says chris voss uh sign up for the newsletter that's always huge over there the hundred thirty thousand linkedin group as well and also there's a uh, chris voss on the tickety talkie where we're not as cool as the kids want us to be because well <laughs> we're fucking old uh so there you go i'm thinking about i'm shaving my beard off uh and we'll ask our guest who has a who has a ginormous man beard uh on the show uh but before we get into that we want to tell you uh order up his book wherever fine books are sold his uh, newest book is out called daddy issues a fatherless comedian's original jokes by alan andrew sidley who joins us on the show today uh, we're gonna be talking to him and he's got a stand-up special We'll be talking about his comedy work that he does and some of the other interesting things that he does to help people uh, be better at f being funny and marketing and business. Uh, author and stand-up comedy, our stand-up comic who does comedy, Alan Sidley has a solid present, media presence on TV, radio, podcast, print, and digital publications. He was raised by a single mother after the death of his father when he was 10 months old. He learned early on to carve his path and has done so as a producer, sketch writer, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and the author of the best-selling humor book, Daddy Issues. He is also the loving girl dad to Sonny, his one-year-old daughter. So he's he's now got kids. Uh, Alan has appeared on comedy stages in New York, L.A., Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and more. And he's also doing benefit shows for the American Heart Association in honor of his late father and two uncles who died from heart disease. With Alan's irrepressible work, ethic, dry wit and grand sense of humor the sky is the limit and uh, there you go welcome to the show alan how are you hey chris thanks for having me and thanks for pumping me up man i'm feeling pretty good today I gotta be we honest. got the pump up there buddy we have yeah. uh, the brightest can people I take on you the on the road with me chris is my yeah <laughs> you know i have so many people say that hey can you follow me and be my intro dude where you just <laughs> introduce me everywhere and i'm like hey for enough money i'll do anything i mean have you seen my only fans lately anyway uh there's no only fans people uh so alan give us your dot coms where do you want people to find you on the interwebs yeah my website is sidley standup s-i-d-l-e-y standup.com and that does have a few things that we'll be talking about there's like a link to my book on there there's a interview on fox 5 dc and then as well as my stand-up special so that's probably a good starting point 
to get to there. You know. go. So this this book title is definitely pre baby then because uh -huh. you're a fatherless comedian's original jokes. So give us a thirty thousand overview of what's inside Daddy Issues when we buy it. Yeah. So essentially, you know, it was like a project that I always wanted to do. I wanted to write a joke book, and if you know me and my style of comedy, a lot of it is some one-liner, some pun, some wordplay, a lot of misdirection here and there. And I noticed I was writing a lot of jokes that would be funny if I texted them to friends or sent them in an email and just <laughs> things that actually worked in the written form and some that, you know, could work in when I say it on stage as well as uh, in book form. So, you know, pandemic hit. I had so much stand-up momentum that just came to a screeching halt. And I finally decided, I was like, look, let's figure out how to put this together. And in the book, I kind of wanted to give people everything, like all parts of me. So in my little handy book I have right here, I think it's mirrored, so you can't really read it too well in the back, but it says provocative, edgy, corny, genius, stupid. And I think those are the, like, that embodies <laughs> all of it, you know? That's what my guidance counselor called me most of my years. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted, and I, you know, I spent a lot of time because it, to me, you know, there's storytellers and there's comedians. And for me, I always felt like that my jokes tell the story. So even though it's kind of, we've got some stuff about traveling, we've got some stuff about family and we've got mm -hmm. things like health and religion. So it, it has a real nice uh, narrative flow and I'm still very happy with it. I mean, even if you just look at it, it just like kind of looks like a, you know, legitimate book. And my dream is to have this in every coffee table and bathroom stall across America. So there you go. There you go. Are you going to amend the title ever the, to say a father's comedian jokes? Or are you just going to leave it as it was? I think I'll probably leave it because it's, it's an homage to my daddy issues of having my dad ah, versus a period of time versus uh, now having different daddy issues now that I am. a yeah. father. So now you got to do a second book, uh, yep. a, a father's comedian original jokes. Exactly, uh, uh, one of the couple working titles that are corny, like Daddy Issues Two, but spelling it T O O. There's there's a few things on my mind on. Uh, there you go. Where to go there. with this? There you go. Uh, the uh, uh, you're going to have some issues as a dad too, especially with a daughter. Um, so there you go. Uh, Everyone see, tells me they're like, "Great, now hold on." I'm like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're they're fun. At three years old, they come in and go, "Are you gonna wear that when you go out?" And you're just like, "You're three. What do you know about fashion and anything?" And they know it's unfortunate. More than we do, probably. More than we do, and more than we care for that matter, because we don't. Uh, and uh, but they make the world more beautiful. Uh, so uh, you know, daddy issues pretty much describes thirty five years of my single dating life. Uh, tell us why you chose that for your title and, and, uh, and I guess some of your daddy issues and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I basically chose the title cause I sort of wanted to like have some kind of almost like magazine tie in where you would have like a daddy issue and that would be like the magazine. So I kind of went with daddy issues, mm. uh, sort of like play on words there. And I, I felt <laughs> like it was very, you know, like my comedy, very just straight to the point. It's like, you're holding this book. It has my name on it. What's it about? And then it kind of just gives you some context. You're like, oh, this is a guy who didn't have a dad or, you know, dad passed away when he was young. And he wrote these jokes. These aren't because when I was, you know, thinking about writing this, one of the things I was doing is I would be wandering into some bookstores and I saw that there were like wasn't really joke books from active comedians. There were, hey, these are the top 1000 jokes that we've all heard on the Internet. Would you like to buy that? But there wasn't <laughs> anything that that I thought was like. Uh, you know, unique in that sense. So it was kind mm -hmm. of like a 
sort of supply demand thought that I had and, and a passion project for me. There you go. So uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, history. We've kind of heard a little bit about it, but tell us kind of from your words what, what that was like and, and what contributed to, uh, you know, uh, the book. Uh, yeah. So, so are we talking about my like upbringing here? Or are we talking yeah, about, yeah. okay. Uh, yes, how did these daddy issues come about and yeah. give us some bit more in depth of these, uh, daddy issues that led you uh, down this journey to become a comedian? Yeah. So there's definitely a few facets here. Um, obviously growing up with, uh, out of dad, definitely like left a, a void that, you know, would have been probably filled with some more like love and security and validation things of that nature so just Love's like overrated anyway <laughs> uh so you know definitely kind of just like growing up feeling like i had a chip on my shoulder kind of wanted to be the best in all the things that i did as a kid i guess to uh -huh. get some extra validation so growing up i was like heavy into sports and you know did decently well in school but i was always playing football baseball things of that nature and kind of just enjoyed competing and like working hard, getting results. And then that kind of stopped after college when I was like, got my first job and I was like, wow, this just sucks. I don't really know what to do from here. Because <laughs> when you do internships, you, you're two months and then you're back at school having fun with your friends again. You're not sitting at some like awful desk and surrounded by people and in a cube. And yeah, I just, I, it took me a little while, but I eventually was like, I need to be doing something different and started experimenting some improv actually is how I started. I took some really? improv classes. Yeah, because I'm I'm quick witted in that way, and I don't like thinking about stuff ever. And it seemed like mm -hmm. the more slacker way of getting into comedy. It's like instead of sitting down and writing down a set, I'll respond to things. So <laughs> that was that was my start, and I'm still involved in improv. So it kind of had a up and down trajectory, but I've been doing it again recently with some friends, and we're really good. So. Yeah, just like it's a really nice outlet and it's just super fun. Um, but ultimately, I fell in love with stand up again. And that just kind of started hitting it really hard at one point was putting mm -hmm. on. At one point, Chris, I was like producing 200 shows a year. It was nuts. Wow. Um, You're but, doing good. But I, uh, you know, I help help refine my comedy chops. And I feel like at this point, I've been doing it for 10 years. I have a pretty good idea of what I'm doing up on stage most of the time and just really having fun with it and just hoping to keep doing it more and having more people coming to see me. You know, that's the, that's the dream right there. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. When did you, so when did you know that comedy was like really something that uh, worked for you and, 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 uh, and hit with you, you know, they always joke about how, um, comedians, uh, we have a lot of issues. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know if that's true. No, that's true. Uh, do you find you're in the well, same vein? Aware of their issues, hopefully, <laughs> and then that's how they've been awareness. Doing. That's what alcohol's for. <laughs> Drugs. Uh, <laughs> you rephrased the question. I, I got lost in your punchline there. There you go. Sorry. Uh, the uh, uh, so so do you, do you find that you, you some of the issues you had as a child or what contributed to you be, wanting to be a comedian? They say comedians have a lot of. Uh, mental issues and that's how we medicate <laughs> yeah i mean i definitely had a ton of anxiety before knowing anxiety was a thing i thought everyone just had panic attacks on math test day and that was normal. sure that's normal you know? and that's every friday around was, here. And, and then here's the fun thing socially i've always found it a million times easier to talk to one person versus a group of people and that's what makes stand-up great because i have one microphone and i'm literally talking to in some cases 
one person that's just a glob of humans in a room. <laughs> is it the one person who's usually not talking, not laughing? Hopefully not. Hopefully yeah. not. I, I do try to focus on the ones that are laughing because. Do you? That's smart. The ones that don't laugh get to me. That's what bugs me. I've seen shows where people have literally sat there, arms crossed, and just stared the entire time. And it's like, why did you come? <laughs> yeah, it's like you're you're at a comedy show for you paid money days. to not have a good time. You paid money to not have a good time. That sounds like most husbands I know. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means, but uh, check your Amazon balance. Um, your wife's Amazon balance. Um, so now uh, you're you're are you are you going out on the road now? Or you, I know you have this special. Tell us about the special and and what your future is on the road. Yeah, so the special I also recorded. Um, sometime during COVID. And so COVID times for comedians were real tough because yeah. some people were really enjoying doing stuff on social media all the time, but I just really crave that intimacy, that reaction from the audience, whether they love it or not. And, you know, you can't, there's nothing like live comedy, live music, live entertainment. So definitely, uh, I was definitely hurting during that time. I did zoom shows. I got a lot of laughs. People like my jokes, but I just didn't feel like I was getting much out of it. Huh. So at some point I was like, Hey, wouldn't it be crazy to, you know, help promote my book and do a couple of things. If I just recorded an hour back in my hometown, Vienna VA, had some family friends and strangers and that's basically how it happened. And nice. it was really crazy because I, you even see it as like kind of like a tagline in the beginning of my special where I don't know if it's 12 months or 16 months, but I hadn't performed live in like a year, a year and a half. And in, you know, my style, which is very quick. Uh, it was pretty insane for me to try to take on an hour and do that, but I think it came out super well and it gave me the confidence to think, okay, this is something I could do again. Maybe next time, you know, we get, we try to tweak it, get a little more people involved because, you know, it was pandemic time. So we hit pandemic capacity, but that was like 40 people, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you but it was, it was cool. And so far as kind of similar to the book, you know, I tried to give it all encompassing me with some, you know, provocative stuff, some corny stuff, edgy stuff, uh -huh. um, but personal stuff as well, you know? And like I said, it, it went really well. It was so much fun. And then, uh, ended up getting like 20,000 views on YouTube. So that was cool. And yeah. And then you're doing well on TikTok as well. Sony. Yeah, some of my stuff hits really well and some of it doesn't, uh, <laughs> TikTok's just that way these days. You know, some people I know that do funny stuff on there, they're like, I can put up two or three things of the same thing, like just repeating it uh, in different times, and like it won't hit. And then, like, the fourth time, it'll like just fucking go gangbusters. And they're just like, I don't, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think my biggest thing was like 350,000 views. That's on pretty one awesome. Thing, and that was. Super cool, and I probably spent 10 seconds thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how most families get started. Uh, the um, uh, A lot of people, it's kind of interesting, TikTok has made some stars. There's one guy making the rounds now who uh, I guess he did 10 or 12 years in the business, and you know he was getting drummed out of the business. People were telling him, yeah, you're not that funny. Maybe you should give up. And, and, uh, and I guess he had one of his TikTok videos that he did wasn't going to put up. He's about to quit. Evidently, is his story, oh. and uh, and it went viral. 
and now he's making like twelve million dollars a year or something. Uh, I don't know if you've seen him. I forget I can't his tell name. If it's motivational or demotivational for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little bit of both right now. You know, it, it, maybe it means you're almost there. Uh, yeah, you know, you I mean that, that's really what everyone's saying. Oh, I'm one one thing away from breaking through, and you know, get some fun opportunities here and there. But I'd definitely love to be making twelve million dollars a year doing stand up. Definitely. Definitely, you know, especially now that you got the daughter, that takes at least right. eleven million right there. <laughs> exactly, because uh, you're gonna have to buy the, all the dresses and all the things, and uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, uh, how has life uh, changed for you? And having a daughter, having a family, and comedy—is it? Do you find it gives you more material, or is it is it harder? Or uh, yeah, how's it how's it changed? So it changes insofar as like, I definitely have a smaller window to perform comedy. So it, mm -hmm. it's making me try to like filter out some of the gigs that I, I personally think are not a good use of my time and try to do the stuff that's, yeah. you know, better paying more fun. So you kind of, you kind of come in with that filter and that's obviously what everyone wants to do over time. They want to say no to the crap and yes to the good stuff. So that right there off the bat kind of changed my framework. And, and I learned that, you know, when I was really grinding, I was doing this, you know, four or five nights a week, multiple times a night. And I don't, now that I've been doing it for 10 plus years, I don't need to do it at that level to still feel like I'm on my game. Um, yeah. So that was one aspect. And then, I mean, definitely the wholesome stuff. It's just been great seeing, you know, her grow from, you know, this little tiny weird thing to just this beautiful, she just started taking steps like last week. Oh, and it, just know. all those milestones and everything are just you know, feelings that I've like never had before in terms of, you know, love and connection and just like pure joy and how much fun she can have with whatever nonsense she's getting into. So that's been a huge positive boost, especially, you know, say I go to a gig and it's not that great. And then I can come back. She'll be asleep. But the next day I'll be like, you know, taking her out of the crib and just be like, this is what matters. This is what's important. Yeah. And it's good so to have I that was, foundation yeah. in life. You have, oh, you need a foundation. Yeah. People who live or die by comedy are the ones that are abusing the most substances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you see that in the comedy world. Like I, uh, you know, I I have my dogs as my kids, and they keep me grounded, and they remind me of what's important. Uh, and then of course having you know people there in your life where uh, I think I think that's maybe why we lose some comedians. I don't know. I don't know what was going on in their personal life, but um, you know, some of the comedians that you've seen there are pretty great and are up or coming in kind of middle middle uh where their you know their careers are still coming up um you know you've seen them pass away with drugs yeah, and so you're just like god so much loss that dude was so funny uh -huh. but you know i mean it, there's a medic there's it, the, the the laughter is the drug like people laugh at me uh -huh. um that's like it's like cocaine man <laughs> and it just feeds the animal too because you're just like i just want to be funny more now yeah and so uh it's kind of a weird cycle because you live for that that attention that validation kind of in a way um although i don't give a shit if anybody likes my jokes anyway <laughs> i kind of reached a disturbing sort of narcissism where i just don't give a fuck anymore oh, um yeah. Give me a couple more years. There's been glimpses where I was like, "Whoa, where did yeah. this not come from?" <laughs> yeah, but I still, I still get off on the comedy. When people, like, when people laugh, but um, it, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, it's just brain juice for your brain. So, um, anything more you want to plug on the comedy side before we flip over and talk about some of the business consulting you do? Uh, 
Yeah, so I, on Instagram, I'm at Sidley Standup, and on TikTok, I'm at Alan Sidley, and those should probably be the same, but, you know, I like to make things difficult for my fans, so <laughs> those are, and I, I'm doing, I'm trying to get into doing more videos all the time. I've been recovering from this really annoying cold that, I, I don't know if you can hear it a little bit. I am feeling better, though, but. There you go. I'd you say, didn't get to the COVID, did you? No. I mean, I've gotten it before, twice, but oh, again, hopefully. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, if you're interested in booking me for whatever, so I'm starting to get into some uh, college spaces. That's like sort of my number one intermediate goal. Mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of like use that as a additional platform because I, I, I it's a long story, but I joined an association and it seemed like there were some really good opportunities that hopefully capitalizing on. But, you know, I can do colleges, I can do uh, corporate stuff whatever mm -hmm. i i just love doing it i love sharing my jokes and just making people laugh at the dumb stuff i come up with and the smart stuff i come up with there you go uh, make people laugh and what you know we need more of this uh it's interesting you're doing colleges uh i i'm curious how that that tour will work out because a lot of comedians are not happy with the the wokeism on colleges and and the uh i mean i think they, uh, they just can't take a joke it seems <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be the most, you know, <clears throat> soft or liberal leaning spaces. And you just kind of have to know that you'll have to and, navigate and it. I, I think also the thing, too, and, you know, we're, we were talking about substances earlier. It's just like most of those shows, students aren't drinking. So you have people who are, you know, a little bit leaning towards, you know, not wanting to be offended or being pretty sensitive and then not being lubricated at all. <laughs> the so lubrication kind of like double, double whammy um yeah but i'll have to report back because i think i'm funnier than those people complaining so we'll see what happens all right sounds good fuck bill <laughs> uh hey so uh why do you think comedy is important why why is comedy important thing in this world because it seems to be dying like yesterday there's a new thing on um there's a new thing on uh uh facebook where you can put like a little byline over your little story picture bullshit and i've never done it so yesterday i just as a just as a snarky thing and most people that know my comedy on facebook they know i'm just really snarky um and so i, I just put bite me on it right <laughs> just fucking bite me like i'm just like i don't know this thing's well, that's stupid really insensitive to people who don't have teeth Oh fuck! So that's what it was. That explains the old man who lit up on me. So anyway, I I got like two messages. One person he wrote, "No, thank you. Please delete me from your posts." And and he literally wrote and twice. Okay. So he's clearly there. It's and he is an old man. So it might have been the teeth issue. <laughs> Bite yourself. Like he literally took offense at someone who wrote, "Bite me." And if he reads any of my content, which he clearly doesn't on Facebook, he would know that that's my comedy. Uh, it, I'll play the straight man uh, and do snarky comedy. And he literally was super offended to a point that he unfollowed me because I just said two words, bite me. And then some other chick was offended too. Uh, not quite as much. I think she kind of half got the joke. But, um, and just to be clear, you didn't say bite me at and then tag all these people. No, no, no. It's a, it's a new thing where in messenger, okay. you know, that, you know, you read people's stories, their stories go by. Well, yeah. there's a new thing where you can put like a little byline in there. Like, okay. and so okay. some of my friends That's have been putting jokes in there. And then some of my friends have been talking to each other back and forth and they've turned that into a joke stream. 
so like one's saying the other one's stupid and you know it, it's kind of a it's kind of a funny back and forth if you're friends with them right and so i've been just kind of like what am i gonna do with that space so i just wrote bite me and like literally i offended two fucking people that i know of there's probably a whole host of people that are blocking me now and, and so why is comedy important why do why do we all need to lighten the fuck up um, I mean, I personally think that comedy is important because you need to laugh at the horrible things going on. Um, and that doesn't resonate with everybody. Obviously, mm-hmm. sometimes people are like horrible things. Let's not talk about them. Let's sweep them under the rug. But if you can make somebody, you know, laugh by commenting on it or twisting something around, I mean, you can, if you can laugh at trauma, you're, you're winning, you know, mm-hmm. that's like kind of the way I see it and, you know, see people healing from you know whatever stuff that they've been bothered with whether it's you know current events or stuff going on personally it's like if you can laugh at this you're okay yeah i mean human nature is comedic on the face of it i think that's what what comedians are great at is they provide a mirror to uh human nature and and they get us to look at ourselves and maybe not take ourselves as seriously as we should and and recognize the folly of some of the stupid things that we do, um, even when it's horror or when it's tragic, you know, there's, there's still a moment where you can, you know, people always used to tell me that, you know, I won't, you know, my dog died, you know, they're like, someday you'll be able to laugh and smile over this. You're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, and, and, and then you reach that point where you're like, you know, you you get joy when you see their faces and, and sometimes the tragedies that you go through in life, you know, everyone's like, you'll look back someday and laugh at this. And then you do. You're like, wow, that really, this really wasn't that big of a deal. And, and yeah. whatever, um, you know, there's, there, you know, bringing levity to different things so they don't, they're not just, not these giant traumas. Maybe that's what we're doing in comedy when we're telling jokes about stuff that's, uh, that's uh, you know, has a powerful trauma in people's brain. We're trying to alleviate yeah. trauma. Maybe that's what it is. It's a counseling session, really, when you're doing stand-up. Definitely, and it's an art to pull it off effectively because if you mm-hmm. just say the thing that you know, upsets people, that's not going to help anyone laugh, and then they're going to get super upset. Yeah, and, and the great uh, comedians do, uh, do, do a real art thing with where they can pretty much make fun of the full circle. They can do the full circumferum of, of the issues on both sides and make fun of everybody. Yeah. And I think that gives it the, it's like kind of like going around a can opener. And I think that really opens up everyone on all sides to go, yeah, why are we doing this us and them thing? You know, it's really, it's really silly what we're up to as human well, beings. I'm, I'm narcissist enough that most of my comedy is about me. So if people hate it, it's just because they don't like me. There's there you go. There you go. <laughs> Fuck those people then. Yeah. So uh, tell us about some of the consulting you do. I was looking at your um, LinkedIn, and you've been doing 11 years consulting with expertise in sales, relationship building, public speaking, and technical implementation and hilarity. Uh, <laughs> tell us about what you do there. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I've definitely done a variety of roles and worn many hats. Uh, you know, when I graduated from school, I kind of just got into like the tech consulting data implementation stuff, which to some people think it's like amazing. Some people think it sounds like the most boring stuff ever, but essentially just implementing different solutions, uh, you know, for folks trying to digest data and get, you know, reporting and analytical analytics out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and done like a variety of stuff within that. Um, 
you know, business intelligence, data warehousing, a bunch of buzzwords. And yeah, I mean, it definitely pays the bills way better than comedy has so far. <laughs> um, but I, I like it in terms of getting to do like problem solving. And it, I see it as puzzles. You know, this is how it is now. This is what we want it to look like. Go figure yeah. out how to make that happen. And yeah, so that was like mostly, you know, some of the nine to five stuff. But in terms of kind of other outside the box things that you've touched on, uh, as I was finding my feet before going full time comedian before COVID happened, I was doing a lot of uh, workshops for companies. So since mm -hmm. I was heavy into improv, we were putting on me and a partner were putting on sort of like interactive kind of training exercises that are based in improv, but are supposed to have, uh, you know, effects on either, you know, people feeling more vulnerable and safe to say whatever, but, or like more tangibly, you know, working on speaking skills, leadership skills, improve, uh -huh. improve morale for groups. So I still do that stuff uh, to this day when, you know, the work is available and it's really fun because you just go in, you've got your group of anywhere from 10 to 40 people and you, get to share this experience that you weren't really sure what was going into it. Cause it's sometimes is a difficult thing to sell where I'm like, I'm going to come in and do improv games. Cause some people are like, Oh, that's lame. Some people are, you know, you're going to have a strong reaction to it. Really? I, people I, are I, gonna I, like, well, it, it's just like, it's hard to sell the benefit of it until people do it. And then just like, wow, we really, you know, it's not just the morale boost. It's like, we, you know, thought more creatively for a couple of days and things of that. We feel like less limited when we say yes to ideas instead of shooting things down right away. So it's, it's yeah. kind of like sort of trying to combine the stuff that I've learned from consulting as well as just having some fun, you know, and then, and then, you know, maybe we need more comedy and levity in uh, in business environments because it's gotten really fucking. You know, now you got microaggressions, which I think are complete <laughs> bullshit. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure that next week there'll be micro microaggressions, the atomic <clears throat> atomic level nuclear uh, cell uh, fences. Um, <clears throat> You know, it, it's really interesting. Like, I think the first department that should be fired in most companies is the HR department. Um, <laughs> well, it, it really also because they only help the company and not you. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It's it's like, I, I love all the pe the attorneys down there on TikTok, the HR attorneys or whatever that oh. defend people and their employees. And like, yeah, when you start when you start down the road getting calls from the HR department, it's not a good sign. They're, they're, they're walking you, slow walking you out the door, basically. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. But, you know, why, why do you think uh, it's important in, in uh, business to maybe have some more comedy and lighten the fuck up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just an opportunity for folks to get some common ground, especially if it's a shared experience where you're all laughing at something. You then can reference that as a, a fun time everybody had. And, yeah, I mean, even in meetings I'll have, I'll be throwing in some jokes here and there because you do have to lighten the mood because business at its mm -hmm. core, you're just like, so thanks for everyone for joining my business meeting. We are going to talk about business and here are my 10 points. And then we walk through and then now the business meeting is over and these are the action items that everybody's going to do. And all right, see you later. And it's like, there's no, there's no kind of, you know, no one's having an improved relationship there. No one's feeling, you know, motivated about their work. So I, I think that's how you, 
And that's probably what separates some of the better teams and managers and leaders is trying to make any informational session less, you know, monotonous and dry. <laughs> all that. Cause you know, it, it, and you're kind of battling two things, right? Cause you have all these different types of people, personalities, and you have the people who are just like, let's only talk about this thing. Anything else we talk about, I can't focus. I don't want to talk about anything else. And then you have the people who are like, Hey, how was your weekend? What's uh, how is everybody doing? What's going on? So, yeah, there's a human element to it where, where individuality, you know, especially, but yeah, no, definitely people need to have that human interaction. I mean, that's important as well. Uh, but I think you're right. Uh, leaders need to know a little bit of comedy, but these Zoom meetings, you know, I, I never had to do the whole Zoom meetings things because I don't work for people, but during covid i would see my friends just suffering and they would just be like i've done 12 hours or eight hours of fucking back-to-back -back zoom meetings kill me now and i just be like yeah that's why i don't work for anyone <laughs> um but you know the i you i've seen a few of them and they're dry as hell like they're just comedic wise or funny wise or interesting wise uh they're dry as hell and sometimes it's a horrible way to tell stories and you just you can see people you know they're 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 like it's like that scene in airplane where they're tying the noose on uh <laughs> and they're pouring gasoline all over themselves during yeah. the zoom meeting you know and you you've always got that one person who's making it just extraneously painful um you know and making it drawn out and so i think i think comedy is real important you know i one thing i talked about during covid and since is you know leaders it, there's a lot i could do personally and being funny uh, and and trying to gauge and excite and motivate my employees one-on-one -on -one. you know and that's really easy to do because you know you you know you can you can hang out with people you can stand next to them shake their hand pat them on the back uh, although I think that's illegal now as a microaggression, um, the uh, you know, it's just, I, I just keep six feet away from people at this point and poke them with a stick, um, and not that kind of poke people. Don't don't go there. Oh shit! HR is calling me now. Um, the uh, but uh, you know it's it's it, it it's harder over Zoom, especially as a leader, to motivate people and inspire them. And kind of win their hearts and minds, and of course, storytelling is so important as well. I think, and I think that's what a lot of people miss in those Zoom meetings. No one's telling stories; just barking orders, maybe. Yeah, it's that, and you know, as a person who hasn't been in a high leadership position, I can tell you know everyone what everyone's doing wrong and what they need to do. All you have to do, all you have to do, is appreciate your employees. All you what? have to do is tell them, "Good job, we appreciate you." And that's then maybe much. give them some more money at the end of the year going yeah. into the year. Those, those two things, and you'll have people smiling and saying, yes, what else can I do to help the team? Yeah, but, we can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need, you know? Really? That seems it seems almost too easy, but so we're not going to do that. Companies will say uh, the uh, no. You're right. It's 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 because it, it's I, always you fix this now. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? What are you doing? What are we doing? This is yeah. this. and it's like there's no chill. You know, there's no chill. I think that's an important aspect of it too. Uh, people got to learn to chill a little bit more. You know, if you you know, as so much comes across with empathy and. Uh, uh, inspiring people. I mean, inspiring people is a big part of leadership. If you're not inspiring people, they're going to go someplace where they're going to be inspired. You know, especially in this new Gen Z crowd, they're they're uh, 
they're going to places where they find good leadership, where they find inspiration, where they're motivated at work because, you know, whatever of it is inspires them. Yeah. And that's just so important. Um, yeah, and, it's really admirable. They're doing a great job of, you know, realizing yeah. nobody's looking out for them. Yeah. Millennials, we, we sort of started that, I like to believe, you know, in terms of, hey, the companies aren't really looking out for us. We need to do a little more job hopping. But Gen Z just took that and hopped three jobs a year to, to find something that actually works for them. Yeah. And thankfully, they're in a job environment now where they can they can kind of, they are the, you know, there's, there's a shortage of workers. So they are the, um, the, you know, they're in demand. And so they can kind of command their, their value a little bit. And, you know, we're seeing great things with the unions and stuff like that. So there yeah. you go. So as we go out, uh, any, any thoughts and things that we've missed about you that we should, uh, have our audience know about you. Um, try anything. anything else, anything else. You got your special, yeah. You got your TikToks, your Instagrams. Uh, anything new coming up on the road there? Uh, I mean, I've got a couple shows in December. Um, doing something in here. Yeah, let me pull up my calendar real quick, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. My calendar says so. I'm going to be doing a. So this is going to be a little interesting. I'm doing a musical comedy show on in Haverday Grace at the fair, or not the oh, fair. Yeah? The, Haver de Grace Theater, and this is in Maryland. And I will be doing some hip hop funny rapping. It's something I've been wanting to do. I used to do like a little freestyling back in the day with the boys. So uh -huh. time to dust off those skills. And then, yeah, also doing a show um, in Cape Charles on December 2nd. So, yeah, go. I mean, just check out the website. I'm going to make sure to have all my dates up there. And yeah, I mean, that's. The comedy rap one i have things i'm thinking about working on <laughs> uh-huh there you go comedy yeah. rap that's got to be kind of interesting does does anybody do comedy rap is that a new thing i'm sure some folks have done it I, or yeah. a lot of times what you do is you'll the stereotypical thing is like you break down a rap song and then you say what you would do is different throw in some other stuff and analyze it but I haven't hundred percent figured out what i want to do because i have too many ideas for it but i am running out of time so yeah yeah, there you go. And those those kids are uh, those kids are going to grow up on you. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, interesting balance, life work balance you got going on, and and uh, I hope it really uh, keeps kicking ass for you, man. You're you're doing well. I, I'm looking at the TikTok there. I'm going to have to watch some of your videos and stuff. Um. So Alan, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, give us your final uh, plug outs and pitches before we go out. Uh, just like I said earlier, hire me to do comedy. Uh, there you go. I will make you laugh for your private party, your bar mitzvah, you know, whatever wedding or uh, just regular comedy club. Love doing this stuff, love writing jokes and people love hearing my jokes. So hopefully it'll be you soon. There you go. Check him out. Order up the book wherever fine books are sold, folks. Daddy Issues, a fatherless comedian's original jokes out March 19th, 2021. Thank you very much, Alan, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Chris. There you go. And thanks for honest for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Chris Foss won on the tickety talkity. And uh, what is there? The LinkedIn newsletter, the LinkedIn group. Uh, also go to, uh, what do we miss? I don't know. That's all of it. Facebook, uh, Chris Foss, Facebook.com. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.